Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Loud Librarians, where we talk about, ponder, discuss in great detail, all library things. And in this first season, we are taking you inside the ever-evolving and always mysterious world of copyright. I'm your host, Hannah. Hey, I'm Amber. Hey, Amber. Hey. So, as as we've been doing, (laughs) if today you were a book... What would the title of your book be? Not that we've talked for an hour before <laughs> starting this recording to get an idea. There's no interview prep at all with this one. Um, if my if there, my if my life was a book title today, it would be um, I'm sending my mom away. <laughs> oh no, does she know? No, that's part of the fun. <laughs> Like on a boat? Um, she likes a boat. Okay, I think a boat would be good. She like likes a cruise, a, and they okay, sure. Like a cruise, like you tell her it's a cruise. Yes, and it could be any sort of boat. Yes, she's going to Albatross. <laughs> <laughs> the subtitle: Pack a life jacket. Pack a life. Mama's going overseas. So where? Who knows? The book could be just her diary entries. <laughs> She's going to be so mad when she hears this. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mama Amber. This part's not for your ears. Well, the fact that we're even mentioning her, that's going to make her day. Yeah, She's yeah, gonna love totally. This. Yeah. What about you, Hannah? Um, I think it would be, uh, ah, another day watching Barefoot Contessa and twiddling my thumbs. That's something the Barefoot Contessa would do. Like, maybe I'll just make a lamb sandwich. Or maybe a pitcher of limeade. Who knows? (laughs) Written by me, Hannah. (laughs) I, um, for everyone tuning in now who is, um, everyone, because we weren't (laughs) recording for the first hour of us talking, I have, I, I, explained in great detail to yes. Amber what Barefoot Contessa is because I only just discovered her on Sunday. <laughs> and I don't know if we have any of her work in the library. I, if we don't, we need to get yeah, some. And I don't know if she's authored any books. She needs to she, if she yeah. hasn't. <laughs> but if she, if she hasn't, she should. Yes. And if we don't have it in our collection, I we will talk to our, to our acquisitions team about that. Yeah. Anywho. Yeah. Any hoozy. Mm-hmm. Um, enough of that. Let's let's get into you know the more thrilling things. Yeah, we of all today's came here topic, for. <laughs> but we all came here for. <laughs> you asked for it. We're delivering. <laughs> so, listen. Today we're going to get further into the second aspect of fair use. Ooh. That's what we're going to do in this episode, yeah. which is all about the nature of the copyrighted work. But before diving in, let's quickly recap what fair use is. So under some conditions, the use of copyrighted content is permitted without the owner's consent under the legal theory known as fair use. It's basically like a set of guidelines that enables us to strike a balance between the rights of artists and the demands of the public, such as those related to news reporting, criticism, and commentary. 
Yeah, and that leads into the second aspect of fair use, which examines the nature of copyrighted material itself. So in other words, what sort of work are we dealing with? Is it a factual work, a work of art, or something in between? Based on the characteristics of the work in question, this element aids us in determining whether fair usage applies. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so since certain works are more deserving of preservation than others, the nature of the work is essential. Novels, paintings, and films are all examples of creative works that are frequently at the core of the creator's expression. Therefore, this element takes into account the level of innovation required. So would you say that fair use provides greater protection for highly innovative and creative work? I mean, not necessarily. Yeah. Uh, stronger copyright protection may be given to a work if it is super inventive and creative, this doesn't necessarily, this doesn't forbid usage in accordance with fair use though. We're librarians, not lawyers, mm -hmm. but the courts frequently take into account uh, whether the new use significantly alters the original work, giving it new significance or worth. Ah, uh, got it. So using creative work in an entirely new context might tip the balances in favor of fair use. Yes, exactly. Uh, transformative work could include, for example, using a well-known picture to facetiously comment on a contemporary situation. Mm -hmm. uh, it's similar to using the original work as an anchor for a new creation. All right, so let's use an example to illustrate this. Envision a podcast, if you will. Ah, <laughs> like, I don't know if I can. <laughs> okay, okay, I got it, I'm envisioning. Yeah, okay, so envision uh -huh. a podcast examining a classic novel's culture impact. The podcast in this instance may include quotes from the book to discuss its underlying concepts, characters, and significance. The podcast certainly meets fair use under the second factor since it offers a fresh level of commentary and analysis. Totally. That is a great example. I know. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and instead of just reproducing the copyrighted work for the intended use, the podcast use transforms transforms it to increase its educational and critical worth. Mm. Uh, for example, another example might be uh, the infamous case <laughs> of Feist Publications versus Rural Telephone Service Company in 1991. Yeah. Basically, uh, a, small, a small company fr copied from a larger company's phone book. The courts ruled in favor of the small company because A to Z listings of facts, such as names, addresses, phone numbers, is not creative. And for those of you who weren't around in the 90s and don't know what a phone book is, mm -hmm. it is a very antiquated tool, a, a almost like a scroll <laughs> in, which, in which you... Uh, you pile them up or under a couch when it gets a little wobbly. <laughs> and that's its primary use. Another use would be when your dentist doesn't take your dental insurance anymore and then your mom has to go through the list of dentists <laughs> in town searching for a new one. Uh, but you have to lift the couch to get the phone book out from under yeah. it and then um, and find it then. Anyway, I digress. Yeah, Or you could use it to stalk people. You can absolutely. But now we have the internet. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so compared to other types of works like unpublished or factual and copyrighted works, published or creative, um, some copyrighted works deserve higher safeguards against unlawful usage. There have been many instances where the nature of the work does not give the type of the task a, a significant weight. Rather, the other variables far exceed it. So despite being an easier analysis than the other three fair use factors, it shouldn't be skipped or disregarded when making a fair use determination. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and as Kenneth Cruz, a.k.a. the godfather <laughs> of copyright in <laughs> libraries, has said, and I quote, mm. <clears throat> this second factor totally requires an examination of the qualities and attributes of the copyrighted work allowing assessment of whether the work is, a, is of a type that merits greater protection and less fair use or is the kind of work that fair use encourages us to build upon in order to expand growth and dissemination of knowledge. <laughs> that is from uh, Kenneth Cruz's work, Copyright Law for Librarians and Educators, Creative Strategies and Practical Solutions. We will put the citation in the show notes. <laughs> that was good, Hannah. <laughs> Kenneth Cruz sounds like a what a guy. What, what a, a guy. guy. <laughs> um, well, I think a lot has been cleared up today about what we mean when we talk about the nature of copyrighted work and how it can be used to assess fair use. And I think the key takeaway from today's episode is that not all kinds of works have the same level of copyright protection. Like there's a kind of a sliding scale applied to works in question. Creative forms of expression like a novel, a poem, or artwork, and unpublished works are granted a higher degree of protection. Unpublished novels, for example, are at the pinnacle of that scale, while factual or informational works and published works have a lower degree of protection. So all the phone books and encyclopedias and documentaries out there, my bad. Sorry yeah. to you, but um, good news for... <laughs> Your mom's diary notes <laughs> on the boat. That's the <laughs> only entertainment she'll have. It full circle. <laughs> well, fortunately or unfortunately, I uh, don't know how many phone books have to worry about copyright infringement these days. Yeah. Uh, but something that we should all be worried for a lot right now is what I brought in <laughs> as the public domain song of the week. What is it, Anna? Well, this right here is Pasta Belooza by Harry Resser's Jazz Pilots. Now, I could find zero information about this song. However, I did bring up Harry Resser's Wikipedia page. And um, he actually seemed like a pretty cool guy. He was uh, in Atlantic City for a while. Uh, he died in the orchestra pit while doing a Broadway production oh of Fiddler on the Roof God. in the 60s. He was born in the 1800s, so he lived a long okay. life. And um, he went into the Banjo Hall of Fame in 2019. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for tuning in and join us next time as we dive more into the copyright things. But in the meantime, follow us at Loud Librarians Pod on the gram. Thanks. See ya. Bye. 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 First, add the pasta or an appetizer fine. And then you must uh, have Italian wine. Pasta fazula, make a weaker man a strong. Pasta fazula, make you live a very long. And if you want to have a break,